bonus episode. We all get dumber at the U.S. Senate April 2023 UFO hearings. And if you want to get right to it, fast forward to 58 minutes in. Because of course, they were late. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. All right, everybody, what is going on? How's everybody doing out there in chat land? I see we've got some people watching. How are you doing? This is going to be, I don't know, groundbreaking, maybe. But this is the coverage of, <clears throat> are you ready for this? The subcommittee on, subcommittee on emerging threats and capabilities. So it's open, closed, and they're going to receive testimony on the mission, activities, oversight, and budget of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Arrow. Yeah. So I am flying solo today. I took a personal day from work so I could uh, actually watch this today, Um, especially after doing that interview with Stephen Bassett on Saturday. And you guys can go ahead and check that out if you're interested. But he is convinced that disclosure is supposed to be happening this year. And uh, it's got to come from the government, according to him. Right. So I was wrong. I said I thought it would come from, you know, normal people in the scientific community. He says, no, 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 no. It's going to come from the government. So we shall. See what our lovely government has to say. And of course, the conversation then went on to talk about, you know, people and their lack of trust in the government and things like that. And you know what? Two people's points that don't trust the government. That's easy to understand. Their uh, lovely um, track record for being trustworthy individuals has been very, very shitty. Let's just say that. All right. So I completely understand. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up the little window. See if I can find it. Here we go. And so we're just kind of waiting. I got the volume turned up. Says it's live. I see a little timer going. So... If you guys want to check this out, you know, with us, you can hang out. Michelle is at work teaching the, well, actually still doing state testing for her middle schoolers. So she will not be joining us today. So you just get 
me today. So hopefully everybody's doing all right. See, we got some people out there checking it out. So welcome, welcome. And I know there's other shows doing this as well. I think uh, Unidentified S4 is doing this as well as uh, I think uh, Richie over at Goofon is going to be doing this as well. So, you know, there's plenty of places for you guys to go and check this out. And if things start to get a little weird with uh, the hearing and stuff, um, I'll just end the stream. You guys can uh, sure check out the news clips that will be all over the place once it's over. Um, so I don't know. People that are out there watching right now, what do you think they're going to be saying during this, if anything? What do you guys think? <laughs> all right, Guy. <laughs> so Guy Merritt has joined us in the podcast or uh, in the chats. This is the only legit stream. Well, still want answers to this goddamn flying triangle shit. And I'm sorry to be swearing, but, you know, this is where I start to get really ticked off with if the United States government is suppressing information, they better have a damn good reason why. You know, uh, Stephen Bassett seems to think that there is materials recovered that they've been working on and everything else. And, uh, you know, an extraterrestrial hypothesis, who knows? It's not a TR-3B. So I will say that. But I will agree when Stephen and I were talking at the end of uh, the last episode that we did, which was last Saturday, episode 50, I think he was 52. Let me double check my my notes. Yeah, he was episode 52. We've had a packed uh, April, and now with this, um, a lot going on. But I will agree, you know, Stephen said that if it is our stuff and they are flying these things over crowded areas, all right, come on, cities and everything else, give me a break, man. That breaks so many different FAA rules, even if you're a top secret military industrial complex, all right, you think you can do whatever you want, all right, fine. But that breaks so many rules for safety. If one of these things were to crash over a large populated area, say like Canton, Michigan, or Detroit, or Phoenix, all right, uh-uh, you can't be doing that. So somebody's got to have, you know, a way to make sense of this stuff because... It, if it was ours, we've had all kinds of crashing of things. Um, and Guy, even we talked about this. And I think when Guy was over on uh, Anthony's channel, right? That's Anthony, um, Unidentified S4. 
Um, guy was saying that, you know, look at all the crashes of the stealth aircraft we've had, the stealth bomber, the stealth fighter, when those were all being developed in the testing phase, we had all kinds of crashes, right? Yes, we did. Not a bunch, but we had enough. All right. What about these things? Are you mean to tell me that we've made perfect triangular aircraft with no aerodynamical features at all? They're 300 feet on a side, about 20 to 30 feet thick. Shining bright lights that don't emanate anything on the ground or illuminate anything on the ground. I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. The stuff isn't ours. Now, whose it is? All right. You want to start talking Galactic Federation, all this stuff? Mm, I, I can't get into that. I don't know any of that stuff. And, you know, sorry. I I know what I saw, but I don't, and what I heard in my head and what Michelle saw. And I'm telling you guys that I can't make the jump from a giant flying triangle to ETs and Galactic Federations and 60 species of this, that, and the other. Nope. I can't do that. All I can do is talk to what happened to us. All right. But who's to say? I mean, it could be ET. I'm more on the ancient tech stuff that there's stuff going on here that we're starting to become um, sensitive to. That's always been going on here for a very long time. And it could basically be, you know, Earth, as Jared would say. Uh, you know, Jared would say it's a, it's a giant computer system, basically earth with the Terra Preta and the understanding of the harmonics of the planet and things like that. All right. He would say that it is something more akin to a computer running and fail safe. And so these things are operating from something like that so hey barry how's it going uh facebook user says hey wayne a facebook user sorry i don't see uh who you are because it won't show me the name from facebook on Streamyard. but good seeing you whoever you may be and yes i'm still constantly getting live updates from Jared and the team down in Belize, I can let everybody know that they made it safe and sound. Uh, apparently, Jim Goodall did have a little spill. Hey, Bill Konkoleski. All right. Hey, Bill. How's it going, man? Good to see you. And Bill is our Michigan State uh, MUFON rep or president, I guess, right? Isn't that what they Director. Sorry, director. So good seeing you, Bill. Welcome. Um, we got Barry in the house guys here we've got people watching thank you very much i did not think uh with this short of a notice we would get anybody watching but thank you everybody for joining um don't forget please like share and subscribe us out or oh my god you can tell it's early in the morning too but late like share us out 
And don't forget to subscribe. It's totally free, and that helps us out quite a bit. So, yeah. So we're waiting. And it did say in the website when they were going to be doing this hearing that the start time could kind of shift. So technically they should be starting in about four minutes, but, uh, hellfire. What's up, my man. I know, uh, uh, somebody that we know hellfire was supposed to be sending some files over. Um, can't say that I've seen anything show up, but we can talk offline on that. Um, we have a mutual friend is doing a little bit of work for us. So, all right. So we sit here and we wait patiently. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, am I skipping school today? I am not skipping school. This is funny. So when I found out that this was actually going to start going down and Jared, if you're watching from Belize, I'm sorry, man, I'm, I'm not trying to ignore your text, but I kind of am trying to ignore your text because I'm doing this live. Um, I am, I am not skipping school. Funny story. So I wanted to watch this and possibly think about live streaming it. Okay, fair enough. But I wasn't sure I could get the day off work. So I wasn't going to say nothing or prepare anything or anything like that. So I emailed my HR person. I was like, hey, can you tell me how many personal days I have left? The response was, your sub is accepted the job for tomorrow and you're all set. Bro, I didn't talk to my principal or anything about this. And so they got me a, a sub. I was like, well, I'm not going to argue, right? You got me a substitute teacher. They can watch my class for the day. Everything's all set up for the kids. All right. So this is where I'm at. So not technically skipping. I'm using personal time. Michelle could not skip because, well, she's still doing state testing, and that's all hands on deck. You cannot, uh, you cannot mess around when it comes to doing state testing. So, well, good to see you, Hellfire, my man. All right, brother. So Barry's here. Oh, so ten twenty eight. The countdown has begun. You know, and I, I'm going to tell you guys, too, I really like that interview with Stephen Bassett. He's definitely, uh, he's he's fired up. He's passionate. He's knowledgeable. He's been doing this for a long time. Hey, how's it going, Mr. X? Good to see you. Um, But I'm going to disagree with the men on the government thing. I, I agree. Maybe we should have some more trust in our government, but the people that have been in power around this country for the last 20, 30 years have been trash straight up. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Okay. I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't, I am apolitical. If you're going to do the job good and do it honorably, you have my vote. And if you have some kind of proof that shows that you'll do that, fine. But what I've seen lately has been an absolute disgusting. It's embarrassing to normal Americans what's going on in this country. And that's all I can say. Let's see who's here. Fat bat. What is going on? When is the hearing? The hearing is supposed to start in like one minute. 
So let's see if this uh, kicks on. I've got it all set up. I got the volume turned on. So hopefully it all works out well. And uh, Hellfire says, amen, brother. Yep, because God only knows, you know, the politicians get us into garbage and it's always, you know, us little citizens that got to go and put out the fires in places because they can't get along. They can't talk. They can't come up with good policies. Come on, man. Let's go. Yeah, the UK too, Mr. X. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. I could start ranting and raving about politics and things and, and all that. I'm just, uh, I'm not going to go there. I don't personally believe that the answer is over here. Wait a minute, over here with the Senate and stuff. These are the people that control the treasure of the country and will decide where the money goes. But to their credit, this is the way you got to play the game. If you want funding, if you want equipment, this is how you got to play the game. This is how the process works its way out. That I'll agree with. So Michigan has one of the worst. Yeah, unfortunately, Michigan... Man, I don't know. It's unfortunate. I think we could probably say that in a lot of, uh, oh, because Barry said, did you see the idiots that are in charge of Colorado to get asked the question and couldn't answer? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're talking about like a question about, oh, the atmosphere. Yes. How much carbon dioxide? Yeah. Yeah. And you can see how the parodying works, right? Yeah. This is what they said. They were just guessing about how much carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere. And it's like 0.03% or 0.003%, right? Most people don't even understand that most of the the quote-unquote air we breathe, we should say gas that we breathe, 70% of that is nitrogen, okay? Very small amounts of oxygen. I mean, so 0.04. Thanks, Barry. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, well, anyways, as we wait... Um, don't forget, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to send an email to the podcast, you can do so at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com, especially if you have a cool story about a UFO sighting or your experience, or even if you want to come on the show and talk about it, we will absolutely do that for you. Um, after we talk backstage and, and all that, but you know, now we are basically a live show which releases the podcast later. So also, if you want to support the podcast, hey, there's a link down in the show description to our link tree. That'll take you to our merchandise store, PayPal, you name it. Um, feel free to help us out. Every little bit helps, and it just goes right back into the podcast. And it's, you know, people like you guys is why we do this. And um, 
like in this public forum because there's really nothing in it for Michelle and I other than sharing our experience and learning from other people about their experience because two uh, school teachers that are educated in a science teacher, this guy and Michelle being a, a master teacher of 23, almost 24 years. We didn't ask to see no giant flying triangle sitting above the road. And, uh, yeah, that brought us to this place. Now you would die pure oxygen and it would explode. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, all right. Chat room is going nuts here. That's awesome. Good seeing you guys, man. Thanks for joining us. Multifaceted jewels. Good afternoon. Oh, all right. From gemstone. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Good to see you. Ah, Rick Davis has arrived. Hey, hey. How's it going, Rick Davis? Thanks for joining in. As we patiently wait for our politicians who like to act like they're going to a party and need to be fashionably late, right? Rick, it's good to see you, man. And I still need to, uh, talk to you about your sigil there in your profile picture. And I know I, you said that you received that from uh, an experience that you had. So um, sorry, it's uh, Jared Murphy and crew down in Belize and just coordinating things. Oh yeah. So I'm kind of like the state side since I didn't go down to Belize for this first trip. I'm kind of the, the uh, state side coordinator of trying to get information and maps and things to the team on the ground. So um, speaking of that, all right, let me see if I can do this. And uh, I'm going to go to Jim Facebook page here. You got to see what they have found in Belize. You guys are this is this is just the initial I right, I got to share this. Hold on. So I'm going to stop sharing this. Okay. This was the first initial trip into Belize. So <laughs> you are a leader in the states, Wayne. Uh man, okay. Um check this out, you guys. All right, let me make sure that's up properly. That's what she said. Okay, so here's Jim explaining what they uh, what they found. Up the stairs, the steps, we're at the mid-level plateau, and it's just amazing that they've moved this many tons of stone from wherever they got them to here. And then cleared the, the jungle out. They didn't have any heavy equipment. It's uh, pretty fascinating. Did you guys see that, man? So that's like up. It's a higher elevation. All right. This is crazy. Let me... uh. Go ahead and 
mess with this a little bit here. Okay. First of all, did you guys hear it? Did the sound come through? Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. So they get halfway up this area that they're moving up these hills. See these piles of rubble? That's part of an ancient structure in the jungle there. All right. Now look at the work on these rocks. Now this isn't uh, megalithic per se, but look at the work here. They had to carry all of these, these piles of, look at in the background. Come on, man. How many people, if you did it by hand and foot, climbing up a a large hill to build something? I think the hill's a pyramid, just straight up. All right, but anyways, they got to get LIDAR through there and do sonar mapping and things like that. But how many people, if they were wearing loincloths, right, if we're talking copper chisel people, look at the work on these but you would need thousands of people walking up and down, carrying these things. Look at that. This is in the jungle in Belize. Okay. All right. This work here. It's amazing. But anyways, that's, that's the, kind of the stuff that they are finding. I mean, just, uh, and that's, they just started. All right. This is just the first initial contact and they're going to be going over to a haunted Island at some point here too. And they're also doing uh, sonar mapping uh, underwater between the mainland and this haunted Island. So uh, really cool stuff. Yep. And not only that guy. So guy says, yeah, it's hard to explain this kind of stuff in a YouTube chat. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's there's ancient people were more advanced than we think. And for whatever reason, academia always likes to pin it as, you know, loincloths and everything else killing all the mastodons, you know, but there were three species of elephant running around North America during the time of the ice age. I mean, come on. Well, we could go down that rabbit hole until they start talking, but, uh, man, I don't know. I know that there's things from my scientific mind frame that makes no sense that they would be able to do. So Barry says, I just listened to a podcast where they talked about LIDAR and there is a type of road that's actually built up. They claim they only used him at night to haul goods because the temperature was so hot. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, Barry. Very, very interesting. 
Cliff Dunning. Okay. I have to check that out. So, who? oh, time traveling Bl Blasian? Blasians. Blasians. Well, welcome to the show, man. And uh, let's see. I did see somebody come through as a new subscriber. So, Jacob has subscribed to us on YouTube. Thank you very much for subscribing. Glad to have you on board if you are watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter. So thank you for being here. Oh, man. Well, still waiting. Maybe the aliens kidnapped them, right? <laughs> teach them the secret handshake guy. All right. So guy says we got to teach you the secret handshake. There is no handshake because we don't have hands. Right. We got a. Uh, Live long and prosper. Butt flaps, yes. Yes, that is the name of loincloths of ancient man. We just have decided to call them butt flaps. Actually, that was started by uh, um, the guys over at uh, uh, Brothers of the Serpent podcast. Those two guys are, are amazing and um, <laughs> funny stuff, man. But speaking of that, um, don't forget, man, in a couple days, everybody, Saturday the 22nd, at a new time, we're having Colin Sanders come on here. And, yep, we uh, we bumped it earlier. We're doing 10 a.m. on Saturday morning when we should all be sleeping in. But, nope, we're going to be talking to Colin Sanders about his book, Black Triangles Over the U.K., Um Man, I cannot wait. I'm making my way through his book right now. I had a free credit on uh, uh, Amazon Audible. And so, heck yeah, I got the, the audio book now. So I'm following along with his book and all the pictures. And uh, man, it's going to be really interesting to see what he has to say. Because just the quick little chats that we were having uh, via email... Uh, this guy definitely is like the real deal. And uh, let me show you guys. Right yeah. There you go. So a new time for the UK. We're going to be live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook Saturday, the 22nd of April, 2023 at 10 a.m., which is 3 p.m. the UK. All right. So hopefully we'll see you guys there, but that is the model that he had a 3d, uh, print up done. And, uh, whew, this thing right here, triangular UFOs of the United kingdom, this craft right here is almost exactly what I saw. And it's the same thing with Michelle. All right. However, there was no light in the center. These lights on the tips of the um, apexes of the triangle were bright white. So take the color of this light right here and put it on the ends. And I could not make out any type of markings on it. But when you when we talk to Colin and he talks about this texture you see, as the outside of the craft, 
that's possibly what I may have seen. Because to me, when I got close to it and went underneath it, it looked like a heat mirage. All right. If you go out on a hot July evening, find your nearest blacktop road and kind of lean down and look at it. And you see the, the heat radiating from that blacktop. That's what the body of this thing looked like to me. Right. And I was the one that got the closest to it. So. Yeah. Anyways. That's coming up this Saturday at 10 a.m. Don't miss it. And if you do, you can always watch it again or listen to it as a podcast. So let's see what is going on. Let's share this again. Where are we at? Nope. Uh, yep. Nope, not that one. I already did open it in a new window, so we're going to stop sharing that one. I have so many windows open so I can have this thing going live here. Not that one. Not that one. That's me. Is it a window? It is a window. Duh. There we go. Still nothing. Let me refresh their page and hit the video and see if they're going yet. Nope. All right. So, man, how many other people are probably doing the same exact thing right now? Like I said, I believe uh, Richie over at Goofon was going to be doing this. And uh, Anthony at S4. Um. I don't know. What do you guys think? How many other people are out there doing this right now in the YouTube verse? And you guys got some conversations going on in chat. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Do, 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 do. Hey, Washington, D.C., we're waiting on you. If you're watching our stream, it's time to go live, man. Hit that uh, go live. Wouldn't that be funny? The U.S. Senate, when they do these things, uses uh, StreamYard. DC is sleeping in. Well, of course, you know, you think they really want to talk about this stuff. They're probably double checking and rechecking all the stuff that they are allowed to talk about. Right. So yeah, I know what we could do. Let's do this real quick. There's a convention that's supposed to be going on in Pennsylvania. Here's the commercial for it. Try to help these people out.
Yes, the Philadelphia UFO Exposure Con. Coming to you. Let me make sure I get the exact date right here. It is Saturday, May 20th, 2023 from 12 to 10 p.m. at Canstatter's. 9130 Academy Road, Philadelphia, PA, 19114. Yep. And one of the coolest people I see listed here that's going to be talking is Bill Burns. And he used to be the the main guy of uh, UFO Hunters on the History Channel. So very cool. What else do we got coming up? Oh, I know something we got coming up. Hold on, everybody. Hold on to your hats. June 2nd through the 4th. The ninth Annual Contact in the Desert Conference happens the weekend of June 2nd at the beautiful Renaissance Resort near Palm Springs, California. Join me, George Norrie, to discover what's next from speakers such as Graham Hancock, Richard Dolan, Nick Pope, Stephen Bassett, and over 50 other top researchers. I'll make contact with new friends and discover the latest fascinating information from the fields of UFO studies, artificial intelligence, psychic phenomenon, and more. Reserve your seat now at contactinthedesert.com. Contact in the desert. Yep, yep, yep. Maybe one of these days we'll go. Maybe one of these days we'll even be a presenter. But I think you got to like have a book or something, right? And I don't see anything like that happening uh, anytime soon. Multifaceted Jewel says their golf game isn't over yet. Oh, snap. You're right. Golf game's not over yet. Wouldn't that be something you see them come walking in and, you know, their little Assistants are carrying their golf bags and things. Come on. Come on. You know it. They're like getting off all their uh, silly looking golf clothes with their funny hats and stuff. Why has that ever started, by the way? Does anybody know out there? Like, why do golfers wear some really weird clothing? I don't know. You guys are all locked into your uh, your conversation about aliens and stuff. But, hey, we got 20-some people watching. Thank you very much for joining in as we patiently await the United States Senate Committee hearing on the Mission, Activities, Oversight, and Budget of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. COVID coverage begins momentarily. Well, we're waiting. I've had this puppy open now for an hour and 38 minutes, according to the bottom uh, scroller here. So any any bets on, uh, you think Lou Elizondo is going to be there? Bernie Miro, what is up, my man? How is it going? Some courses have dress codes, really? See, I'm not a golfer, man. There was one time I played golf. And I was playing golf with this lady. And she was trying to teach me how to play. And this was in Canada. And I 
hit the ball. Thought I did pretty well. And she was like, hey, you did really good. And the ball landed and, you know, stops rolling. And it was kind of close to a outcropping of trees. And this big dog comes dashing out of the woods, grabbed my golf ball and ran away with it into the woods. I took that as a sign that I probably shouldn't like be playing golf. And that was it. So that's interesting. Hellfire says he just wears a polo when he goes golfing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people just dressed normally and stuff. Most of the time, what I, what I always hear stories about golf, it usually has uh, degenerated into some type of drunken debauchery and golf carts. So, yeah. Yep. Oh, come on, Washington, D.C. Maybe they're waiting for a certain number of uh, people to show up on their live stream before they start. I don't know. They did say on their website that, uh, oh, wait a minute. It says witnesses, Dr. Sean M. Kirkpatrick, the director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. So is that it? That's the only testimony you're going to get. I thought you were supposed to be getting multiple people's testimony or is that behind closed doors? Ah, Lord. All right. All right, let's see what's going on here with Jared and the crew. So, Oh, so there's a couple, all I'm going to say is that there's a couple of sites that were of high interest that these, uh, the, the crew was going to check out and now they've found when they're at the site that there are about nine more new targets and they're looking for information on those. So we'll just leave it at that. Hey, Diane boss is here. Good morning. What are you guys on so early for? It's 7.55 a.m. Richie at Goofon had his show set up for 7.15 a.m. my time, but he's not on yet. Diane, look. Look over there. It's supposed to be the hearing today. They're going to tell us everything about UFOs that the government knows. Are you ready? Balloons. They're going to get us some probably more crappy video. I don't know. I shouldn't say that, right? Trust in the system. Trust in the system. But yeah, they were supposed to start a while ago now, Diane. 
It was supposed to be at 1030 and now we've been waiting about a half hour. So got some interesting conversations going on in chat right now. That's that's pretty cool. Diane says, I'm tired and can't keep my eyes open. Amen. I'm just highly caffeinated. I'm usually up working by now anyways. This is about the middle of my third hour class. So I'm I'm used to this stuff, plus being highly caffeinated. Ooh, okay. So I know uh, <laughs> Barry says breakdancers wear really weird clothing. <laughs> the 1980s called Barry. They want their parachute pants back. That's a fair assessment. I know I said that they were, that golfers wear some bizarre clothing sometime. So, yeah. Oh, you guys are talking UFOs and religion and going back and forth on that. I I will stay out of that. So let's see. Facebook user says, I don't think it will be anything about, but Congress roasting the DOD for underfunding arrow. I'd be shocked if anything is revealed from Bill Konkoleski. Absolutely, Bill. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a setup. They're going to basically yell at uh, the DOD for their, what do I want to say, their little act that they did the last time. Well, I don't know about that stuff. And lo and behold, you know, like the government and these people in the government have no idea that the government's been doing this stuff for 70 plus years. Come on. Come on. Yeah, you had a bird grab your golf ball and drop it closer to the hole. I played it. No way, Barry. Get out of here. That's hilarious. Discussing religion is like pulling the pin on a grenade and dropping it at your feet from Hellfire. Hey, not as bad as politics anymore, Hellfire. Social media and stuff has people at each other's throats, rioting and everything else just because of politics. So, you know, it used to be back in the day, you could get into it with somebody about politics and have a really good discussion and still realize, hey, 50% of the country votes one way, 50% of the country votes another way. Every once in a while you have swing voters and then you sucked it up and moved on because we had a, we had, you know, a trust in the process of our country that even if we had the most horrible person in any kind of seat in office, there would be a way out for them, right? Well, now it's just all about controlling the citizens. I hate to say it. And I really hope that they're not, and there are people out there that believe this stuff, but I really hope that the whole UFO UAP thing is not one of those 
types of things because if they're using these people and people like us that have had these experiences and, uh, you know, trying to turn it to their benefit or they're just messing with us all together, right? Some kind of strange new weapons platform, holograms, whatever, making things appear, who knows? Because, you know, at 2.30 in the morning, hovering 150 feet above an intersection of a highway and a major road in Canton, Michigan, is a great place for a giant black triangle hologram to be put right there, floating above the road, just to freak people out. See, these people, they, they don't make sense. And we're trying to use human brains to figure out what these things are and what their purpose is. And I don't think we're going to get it because we can't relate, at least not yet. So, yeah, I just, I really hope they're not, they're not playing something on us. Oh my goodness. Boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many of you are fans of Goofon, Richie over there at Goofon. And I know people have their problems and, oh my God, this community and their drama and how they hate each other and set each other up and say this, that, and the other is insane to me. Insane. Who's faking? Who's a liar? Da, da, da. All right, whatever. But boy, did Richie just go off on the topic of like Lou Elizondo. He did something, man. I think he said Lou Elizondo finally like blocked him on Twitter or whatever. I, I He went off the rails. He definitely went off the rails. And uh, not, I mean, in a bad way, yes. I love Richie. He's a good guy. All right. He's a good guy. Down in his heart, he's an old school comedian. He's just like me when it comes to like our dark sense of humor. I have better control of it than he does. But uh, my God, you know, when you're raised listening to Eddie Murphy, Sam Kinison, uh, Red Fox, um, Richard Pryor, you know, those were the comedians of the time and they were, you know, just unchained those guys they were dark andrew dice clay you know all the old guys back in the day you know you could say a lot of things and and get laughs and you know get chastised and stuff but today forget it ask dave Chappelle how that's going but you know people take offense to some of the stuff that richie says and it's like dude he's making fun of you. So what make fun of them back, come up with something, you know, or whatever. It's not a big deal, but no, 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 you can't say this. You can't say that. I just, wow. Uh, Richie at Goofon is freaking out. Cause it's not on yet. He can be an asshole. Just say it. I love him. So I love him also. Oh yeah. I, everybody has the capacity to be an asshole. <laughs> If we live in a multiverse, so this is uh, somebody new, Bench Lead. Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining in. Uh, let me put this up. This looks really interesting. Hold on. If we live in a multiverse, then one of those universes must have evolved a god. Think about that. Ooh. All right. So we're still going back and forth on 
God and UFOs. Hey. Yeah, see, Barry says, well, UFOs and religion kind of go together. Anything uh, you can explain, yeah, blame it on God. History has been that way. Humans are funny. But anyways, what I was saying about uh, Goofon shows last night, Richie's show, was that he was just pissed at Lou Elizondo. I never interviewed Lou Elizondo. I've seen a ton of interviews with him. Every time I've seen him, the way he talks reminds me of like Lucy. I think it was Lucy from the Peanuts, right? Lucy and Charlie Brown. She would hold that damn football. Come on, Chuck, you can kick it. And then he'd go to kick it and the football's gone. It's like UFOs. Put a UFO on top of the football. And it's like, do you have something or not? And he did, from my opinion, from what I saw, and Lou, if you happen to watch this, I'd love to get your opinion on this. But when you came into ufology, if that's what you want to call it, you did blow things up. All right. You did. There are multiple accounts and saying this and that about people. That that's just a fact. We know that. Why would you want to do that? You want to be the only one putting out UFO information? Okay, you want to control a whole world of 7 billion, 8 billion potential witnesses to UFOs and paranormal stuff? You want to put that out there? And you want to head all that up? And then you disappear. Come on. So I can see why Richie would get pissed. Because Richie protects, you know, he takes it upon himself to protect the the sanctity if you want to even call it that, I don't even know what to call it of the UFO community. And I hate that word community gets used for everything. The golfer community, the PC gamer community, the YouTube community. Richie's freaking out. Try to tell him it hasn't started yet. Yeah, it hasn't started yet. He's okay. Richie, calm down, man. It just, it hasn't started yet. It's okay. <laughs> Watch them reschedule this or something, man. I, I swear to God. And by the way, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. is when you're going to have a meeting like this. In the middle of the week when everybody's at work. Oh, we're on. Okay. Can you guys hear it? No? Okay, hold on. about now 
Nothing. See, I'm getting double feedback here. Really weird. Oh, wait a minute. I bet you because I have it open on another page. Let's do this. Hold on, guys. Sorry about this. All right. Hold on. Eight years, military pilots frequently encountered unknown objects in controlled airspace off both the east and west coast across the continental United States in test right, and training areas people. and ranges. We don't know where they are. They come from, Got who it. made them, or how they operate. All right, thank As you. As former Deputy Secretary of Defense David Norquist observed, had any of these objects had the label made in China, there would be an uproar in the government and media. There would be no stone unturned and no effort spared to find out what we were dealing with. We can look at the recent incursion of the unidentified PRC high altitude balloon for as an example. Because, and, but because so of far. the UFO stigma, the response has been irresponsibly anemic and slow. Congress established Arrow. We made it clear that we expect vigorous action. We added very substantial initial funding for the office, but despite our best efforts, the president's budget for fiscal years 23 and 24 requested only enough funding to defray the operating expenses of Aero. It included almost no funds to sustain the critical right. research and development necessary to support a serious investigation. It took We're a letter to Secretary Austin part. from Senator Rubio and me and 14 other senators to get the office temporary relief for the current fiscal year. In this hearing, I tend to probe a series of specific issues. In the recent incidents where multiple objects were shot down over North America, it seemed that Pentagon leadership did not turn to Aero office to play a leading role in advising the combatant commander. We need to know whether this will continue. We need to know whether the leadership in DOD will bring Aero into the decision-making process in a visible way. And we need to know what role Aero will play in interagency coordination after the NSC working group disbands. In the fiscal year Basically, 2023 National Defense and Intelligence and Authorization Act, Congress established a direct reporting chain from the Aero Director to the Deputy Secretary of Defense. The role of the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security is limited to providing administrative support. We need to know how this direction is being implemented. Ooh. UAP are frequently observed flying in Justify extremely high job, or very low boy. speeds and come in various sizes and shapes. Dang. During the recent shootdowns over North America, DOD disclo disclosed that filters on radar systems were adjusted to allow for detection and tracking of diverse sets of objects for the first time. While opening the aperture can overload the real-time analytic process, like we cannot keep turning a blind eye to surveillance data that is critical to detecting and tracking UAP. We need to know whether Dr. Kirkpatrick Arrow can achieve the necessary control over sensor filters and the storage and access to raw surveillance data to find UAP anomalies. Finally, one of the tasks Congress set for Arrow is serving as an open door for witnesses of UAP events or participants in government activities related to UAPs to come forward securely and disclose what they know without fear of retribution for any possible violations of previously signed non-disclosure agreements. Congress mandated right that Arrow set up a publicly discoverable and accessible process for safe disclosure. While we know that Arrow has already conducted a significant number of interviews, many referred by Congress, we need to set up a public process that that and we need to know where that effort stands. With that, I'd like to turn to Senator Ernst for her opening statement. Thank you, Madam Chair. And thank you, Dr. Kirkpatrick, for your testimony today. Uh, I'll keep these remarks very brief so that we have maximum time for your briefing. Uh, the recent downing of the Chinese surveillance, surveillance balloon and three other objects underscores the need for domain awareness. Adversaries like China and Russia are working to hold U.S. interests, including our homeland, at risk. That's why your testimony is so 
important. And I so look forward to a progress update on the establishment of your office. As members know, your office evolved from the Navy-led Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force to the All-Domain Anomalous Resolution Office known as Aero. Dr. Kirkpatrick, your extensive background in science and technology, research and development, and space makes you well-suited to discuss these emerging challenges. Right. My back. priority is that we understand the full range of threats posed by our adversaries in all domains. That is what the Joint Force needs to be prepared to fight and win in defense of our nation. Ooh. This committee needs to know if about Chinese or Russian advanced technology you programs better, uh, to exploit to on, uh, our vulnerabilities. And it needs to know whether the, your uh, office, along with the IC, has detected potential Chinese or Russian capabilities to surveil or attack us. Finally, we need to ensure efficient interagency coordination. Multiple elements of the DOD and IC own a piece of this mission. To add value, Arrow's efforts cannot be redundant with others. Um, thank you again. We look forward to your testimony. Slam dunk. Dr. Kirkpatrick, uh, you can give your testimony. Thank you, Chairwoman Jill Brand, uh, Ranking Member Ernst, distinguished members of the subcommittee. It's a you privilege to be here today to testify on the defense, uh, defense's efforts to address unidentified anomalous phenomena. First, I want to thank Congress for its extensive and continued partnership as the department works to better understand and respond to UAP in an effort to minimize technical and intelligence surprise. Unidentified objects in any domain pose potential risks to safety and security, particularly from military personnel and capabilities. Congress and DOD agree that UAP cannot remain unexamined or unaddressed. We are grateful for sustained congressional engagement on this issue, which paved the way for the DOD's establishment of Look the All Domain Anomaly language. Resolution Office in Looks July of last shuffled. year. And like, Though Arrow like, is still a young office, the spotlight like on UAP in recent months underscores the importance of its work and the need for UAP to be taken seriously as a matter of national security. All leadership that I've had the pleasure of working with, whether DOD, IC, DOE, civil, scientific, or industrial, view Congress as a critical partner in this endeavor. Aero has accomplished much in the last nine months since it was established. The Aero team of more than three dozen experts is organized around four functional areas, operations, scientific research, integrated analysis, and strategic communications. In the nine months since Arrow's establishment, we've taken important steps to involve and improve uh, UAP data collection, mm -hmm. standardize the department's UAP internal reporting requirements, and implement a framework for rigorous scientific and intelligence analysis, allowing us to resolve cases in a systematic and prioritized manner. Meanwhile, consistent with legislative direction, Arrow is also carefully reviewing and researching the U.S. government's UAP-related historical record. Arrow is leading a focused effort to better characterize, understand, and attribute UAP, with priority given to UAP reports by DOD and IC personnel in or near areas of national security importance. DOD fully appreciates the eagerness from many quarters, especially here in Congress and in the American public, to quickly resolve every UAP encountered across the globe, from the distant past through today. It's important to note, however, 
Arrow is the culmination of decades of DOD intelligence community and congressionally directed efforts to successfully resolve UAP encountered first and foremost by U.S. military personnel, specifically Navy and Air Force pilots. The law establishing Arrow is ambitious, and it will take time to realize the full mission. We cannot answer decades of questions about UAP all at once, but we must begin somewhere. While I assure you that Arrow will follow scientific evidence wherever it leads, I ask for your patience as DOD first prioritizes the safety and security of our military personnel and installations in all domains. After all, a UAP encountered first by highly capable DOD and IC platforms featuring the nation's most advanced sensors are those UAP most likely to be resolved by my office, assuming the data years. can be collected. If Arrow succeeds in first improving the ability of military personnel to quickly and confidently resolve UAP they encounter, I believe that in time we will have greatly advanced the capability of the entire United States government, including its civilian agencies, to resolve UAP. However, it would be naive to believe that the resolution of all UAP can be solely accomplished by the DOD and IC alone. We will need to prioritize collection and leverage authorities for monitoring all domains within the continental United States. Arrow's ultimate success will require partnerships with the interagency, industry partners, academia, and the scientific community, as well as the public. Arrow is partnering with the services, intelligence community, DOE, as well as civil partners and across the U.S. government to tap into the resources of the interagency. The UAP challenge is more an operational and scientific issue than it is an intelligence issue. As such, we are working with industry, academia, and the scientific community, which bring their own resources, ideas, and expertise to this challenging problem set. Robust collaboration and peer review across a broad range of partners will promote greater objectivity and transparency in the study of UAP. I want to underscore today that only a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous. The majority of unidentified objects reported to Aero demonstrate mundane characteristics of balloons, unmanned aerial systems, clutter, natural phenomena, or other readily explainable sources. While a large number of cases in our holdings remain technically unresolved, this is primarily due to a lack of data associated with those cases. Without sufficient data, we are unable to reach defendable conclusions uh, that meet the high scientific standards we set for resolution and I will not close a case that I cannot defend the conclusions of. I recognize that this answer is unsatisfying to those who in good faith assume that what they see with their eyes, with their cameras, and with their radars is incontrovertible evidence of extraordinary characteristics and performance. Yet time and again, with sufficient scientific quality data, it is fact that UAP often, but not always, resolve into readily explainable sources. Wow. Humans are subject to deception and illusions, sensors to unexpected responses and malfunctions, and in some cases, intentional interference. Getting to the handful of cases that pass this level of scrutiny is the mission of Arrow. That is not to say that UAP once resolved are no longer of national security interest, however. On the contrary, learning that a UAP isn't of exotic origin, but is instead just a quadcopter or a balloon, leads to the question of who is operating that quadcopter and to what purpose. The answers to those questions will inform potential national security or law enforcement responses. 
Arrow is a member of the department's support to the administration's Tiger Team effort to deal with stratospheric objects such as the PRC high-altitude balloon. While when previously unknown objects are successfully identified, it is Arrow's role to quickly and efficiently hand off such readily explainable objects to the intelligence, law enforcement, or operational safety communities for further analysis and appropriate action. In other words, Arrow's mission is to turn UAP into SEP, somebody else's problem. The U.S. government, the DOD, and the IC in particular, has tremendous capabilities to deal with those encountered objects. In the wake of the PRC-HAB event, the interagency is working to better integrate and share information to address identifiable objects. But that is not all Arrow's lane. SEP. Meanwhile, for the few cases problem. in all domains, Holy space, shit. air, and sea, that do demonstrate potentially anomalous characteristics, Arrow exists to help the DOD, IC, and interagency resolve those anomalous cases. In doing so, Arrow is approaching these cases with the highest level of objectivity and analytic rigor. This includes physically testing and employing modeling and simulation to validate our analyses and underlying theories, then peer reviewing those results within the U.S. government, industry partners, and appropriately cleared academic institutions before reaching any conclusions. I should also state clearly for the record that in our research, Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics. Stephen Bassett, in the event, where are you? Sufficient scientific data were ever obtained Bassett, that a UAP encountered can only be explained by extraterrestrial origin. We are committed to working with our interagency partners at NASA to appropriately inform U.S. government's leadership of its findings. For those few cases that have leaked to the public previously and subsequently commented on by the U.S. government, I encourage those who hold alternative theories or views to submit your research to credible peer-reviewed scientific journals. Arrow is working very hard to do the same. That is how science works, this, this not is by how blog we get or disclosure. social media. Trust we know the that there is tremendous public interest in Sorry. UAP and a desire for answers from Arrow. By its very nature, the UAP challenge has for decades lent itself to mystery, sensationalism, and even conspiracy. For that reason, Arrow remains yeah, committed to transparency, out, accountability, and to sharing as much with the American public as we can, consistent with our obligation to protect in not only intelligence sources and methods, but U.S. and allied capabilities. However, Arrow's work will take time if we are committed to do it right. It means adhering to the scientific method and the highest standards of research integrity. It means being methodical and scrupulous. It means withholding judgment in favor of evidence. It means following the data where it leads, wherever it leads. It means establishing scientific peer-reviewed theoretical underpinnings of observed data, and Arrow is committed to all of those standards. I'm proud of Arrow's progress over the last nine months. months uh, much remains to be done, but the hard work is underway. Thank you for your continued support. And before we turn to questions, I want to walk you through some of our analytical trends and a couple of cases that we've prepared. So one of the things that Arrow does is high integrity analysis, as I've said. <laughs> this chart represents the trend analysis of all the cases in Arrow's holdings, right, to date. What you'll see on the left is a histogram of 
all of our reported sightings as a function of altitude. So most of our sightings occur in the 15 to 25,000 foot range. And that is ultimately because that's where a lot of our aircraft are. On the far right upper corner, you'll see a breakout of the morphologies of all of the UAP that are reported. Over half, about 52% of what's been reported to us are round orb spheres. The rest of those break out into all kinds of different other shapes. The gray box is essentially there's no data on what its shape is. Either it wasn't reported or the uh, sensor did not collect it. The bottom uh, map is a heat map of all reporting areas across the globe that we have available to us. What you'll notice is that there is a heavy, what we call collection bias, both in altitude and in geographic location. That's where all of our sensors exist. That's where our training ranges are. That's where our operational ranges are. That's where all of our platforms are. In the middle, what we have done is reduce the most typically reported UAP characteristics to these uh, fields, mostly round, mostly one to four meters, white, silver, translucent, metallic, 10,000 to 30,000 feet with apparent velocities from stationary to Mach 2. No thermal exhausts usually detected. We get intermittent radar returns. We get intermittent radio returns and we get intermittent thermal signatures. That's what we're looking for and trying to understand what that is. Next slide. So I'm gonna walk you through two cases that we've uh, declassified recently. Um, this first one is an MQ-9 in the Middle East, observing that blow up, which is an apparent spherical object via EO sensors. Those are not IR. If you wanna go ahead and click that and play it. You'll see it uh, come through the top of the screen. There it goes. And then the camera will slew to follow it. You'll see it pop in and out of the field of view there. This is essentially all of the data we have associated with this event from some years ago. It is going to be virtually impossible to fully identify that just based off of that video. Now, what we can do and what we are doing is keeping that as part of that group of 52% to see what are the similarities? What are the trends across all of these? Do we see these in a particular distribution? Do they all behave the same or not? As we get more data, we will be able to go back and look at these in a fuller context. How are we gonna get more data? We are working with the joint staff to issue guidance to all the services and commands that will then establish what are the reporting requirements, the timeliness, and all of the data that is required to be delivered to us and retained from all of the associated sensors? That historically hasn't been the case, and it's been happenstance that data has been collected. Next slide. This particular uh, event, South Asia MQ-9, 
uh, looking at another MQ-9, and what's highlighted there in that red circle is an object that flies through the screen. Unlike the previous one, this one actually shows some really interesting things that everyone thought was truly anomalous to start with. First of all, it's a high-speed object that's flying in the field of regard of two MQ-9s. Second, it appears to have this uh, trail behind it, all right, which at first blush, you would think that looks like a propulsion trail. In reality, uh, if you want to play the first slide, we'll show you what that looks like in real time, our first video. So we're looking at that. There it goes. Why don't you play it again and then pause it halfway through? Right there. All right, if you might be able to see that trail there behind it. That's actually not a real trail. That is a sensor artifact. Um, uh, each one of those little blobs is actually a representation of the object as it's moving through. And later in the video, as the, as the uh, camera slews, that trail actually follows the direction of the camera, not the direction of the object. We pulled these apart frame by frame. We were able to demonstrate that that is essentially a readout uh, overlap of the image. It's a, it's a shadow image, right? It's not real. Further, if you later um, follow this all the way to end, it starts to resolve itself into that blob that's in that picture in the top left, right? And if you squint, it looks like an aircraft because it actually turns out to be an aircraft. Go ahead and put that on. So you'll see the tail sort of pop out there. And so what you're looking at is, this is in the infrared, this is the heat signature off of the engines of a commuter aircraft that happened to be flying in the vicinity of where those two MQ-9s were at. Why am I showing you this? So the first one that I showed you, we don't have resolved yet, right? That is an unresolved case we are still studying. This one, we can resolve. But this is the kind of data that we have to work with and the type of analysis that we have to do, which can be quite extensive when you have to pull these apart frame by frame. Further, we're now matching all of this with the models of all of those imaging sensors so that I can say, I can recreate this. I can actually show how the sensor is going to respond. All of these sensors don't necessarily respond the way you think they do especially out in the world and in the field. And I believe that's all I have, and I will open it up for your questions. Thank you so much, Dr. Kirkpatrick. Um, can you just give us some raw numbers of how many uh, UAPs you've analyzed, how many have been resolved, and sort of in what buckets, and then how many are still left to be resolved? Just an update from your January public report where it was 366 or something and about 150 were, were um, balloons and about two dozen were drones. You know, just uh, give us an update if you have one. Sure. So as of this week, uh, we are tracking over a total of 650 cases. Now, uh, the report in January basically said about half of the ones at that time, about 150, were balloon, were likely balloon-like or something like that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're resolved. Oh, I see. Okay, so what? Uh, let me when we walk everyone through what our analytic process looks like. Here's your disclosure, everybody. We have a essentially a 
five-step process, right? So we have we get no our cases in with all the data. We create a case uh, for that. No UFOs. Uh, event. No triangles. My team does a preliminary scrub of all of those cases as they come in just to sort out, do we have any information that says this is in one of those likely categories? It's likely a balloon. It's likely a balloon, you know, a bird. It's likely some other object or we don't know. Then we prioritize those based off of where they are. Are they attached to a national security area? Does it show some anomalous um, phenomenology that is of interest? If it's just if it's just a spherical thing that's floating around with the with the wind and it has no payload on it, that's going to be less important than something that has a payload on it, which will be less important than something that's maneuvering, right? So there's there's sort of a hierarchy of just binning the priorities because we can't do all of them at once. Once we do that and we prioritize them, we take that package of data in that case, and I have set up two teams. Uh, think of this as a red team, blue team, or a competitive analysis. I have an intelligence community team made up of intelligence analysts, and I have an S&T team made up of scientists and engineers and the people that actually build a lot of these sensors or physicists, because you know if you're a physicist, you can do anything. I'd almost right? rather be... Um, at school and hanging out with but they're not associated with the uh, intel community hearing more bullshit they're, they're not intel officers so then i do they look at this through the lens years. of the sensor of the, the what the data says we give that package to both teams the intelligence community is going to look at it through the lens of the intelligence record and and what they assess Arrow, and uh, their that's intel the quote of the lifetime man they have very specific Arrow's job is basically SEP scientific community Make technical community is going to look at it through the lens of what is the data telling me what is the sensor doing what would i expect a sensor response to be and back that out those two groups give us their answers we then adjudicate if they agree, then or I am more likely to close com, that com, case com, if they agree yes. on what it is. If they disagree, we will have an adjudication. We'll bring them together. We'll take a look at the differences. We'll adjudicate what, why do you say one thing and you say another. We will then come to a case um, a recommendation. That'll get written up by my team. That then goes to a senior technical advisory group which is outside of all of Listen those people. Listen to the bureaucracy. Made up of this is what's going to bring us to closure. And, and, disclosure, uh, everybody. Um, Intel analysts bureaucracy. and operators from taxpayer money retired uh, out of the community, uh, and they they essentially peer review what that case recommendation is. They write their recommendations. That comes back to me. I review it. We make a determination, and I'll sign off one way or the other. And then that will go out as the, the case determination. Once we have an approved web portal to hang the unclassified stuff, we will de, you know we would downgrade and declassify things and put it out there. In the meantime, we're putting a lot of these on our classified web portal. Yeah, I'm where sorry, we can I'm then collaborate like with the rest of the community right so they now. can see what's going on. I just this is That's, why I don't in a nutshell it. that is the process, right? So. Uh, because of that, that takes time. So of those over 650 
you know, we yeah, prioritize takes time. No shit. About uh, half of them to be of, of, um, anomalous, interesting I work in value. Education. I know all about that. And now we have to go through those and go, how much do I have actual data for? Because if all I have is a, is a operator report that says I saw X, Y, or Z, my assessment is A, B, or C, that's not really sufficient. That's a good place to start, but I have to have data. I have to have radar data. I have to have EO data. I have to have thermal data. I have to have overhead data. And we need to look at all that. Now, now I from know a big picture perspective, I still have, that's all very, still very valuable data. And we're looking at applying a lot of things. I know why guys took app, up smoke uh, analytic tools in his life. like right here. natural language processing. So I can go across all of those reports this is and crazy. look for commonalities. How many of them are being described as round spherical objects that are maneuvering? How many so of them I are guess not you better maneuvering? Tell, uh, of them seem to have a plume to uh, Jack no. Bouchong. Uh, That's also going to be very valuable to give us more of a global whole, picture and a trends analysis of what are we seeing. Mysteries. You're full of shit, guys. Help us get to the determination. It's just so go back to your question, ma'am. We have um, uh, this next quarterly report yeah, will be coming out here pretty soon. Our numbers. next annual report. Um, yes, you all sir. have. Uh, I want to get us, an MRI myself uh, because I want to know June, why my thyroid. We're going to be having that done. Did what it did uh, after time frame. a couple months after seeing a, that UFO. We'll be combining a whole number of reports in, into that one. Uh, I think we'll, we're currently sitting at around, hmm, if I remember correctly, we're around 20 to 30-ish are about halfway through that analytic process. A handful of them have made it all the way out to the other side, gone through peer review. We've got case closure this reports done and signed so we're gonna we're get faster money. as we get more people on board uh and you know we get more the government should the just step off to the side at this point to automate some of the because this is how it goes in the government right there what you're seeing yeah thank you madam chair and dr kirkpatrick the odni annual threat assessment states that China's space activities yeah, are designed to erode uh, U.S. influence across military, UFO, technological, you know, economic, Michigan, and diplomatic spheres. Likewise, Russia will remain a key space competitor. In the course of your work, have you become aware of any Chinese or Russia technical advancements to surveil or attack U.S. interests? So that's a great question. Part That's of what, what we Euro's have to for. do is we go through these, um, especially the ones that show signatures of advanced technical capabilities. Come on, guys. Is determine if there's Come a on. foreign nexus. Mm -hmm. That's really hard if what we observe doesn't have a Chinese or Russian flag on the side of it. It's now, China. It's Russia. I think it is um, prudent to say of the of the me, cases that are showing it, you know some sort of advanced technical <laughs> hey, Mike J., how are you, brother? of which we're talking single we percentages being of the entire population the of cases we have bullshit nonsense that's being um, put out I am concerned arrow about amazing what that nexus is and I have indicators that some are related to foreign capabilities we have to investigate that with our IC partners 
And as we get evidence to support that, that gets then handed off to the appropriate IC agency to investigate. Again, it becomes an SEP at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a 10.5 to 11, Barry. Barry had yes, asked on a scale of 1 to is 10. It, uh, is it possible that the Chinese or Russian advanced most? technologies could, <laughs> Barry could says be 11. causing some of these anomalous 10. behaviors? And, this again. and you said there seems I mean, to be Bill, uh, some indicators. Just on here. Uh, so just for us today, uh, could you describe you know exactly potential threat that might exist? They were going to start if questioning they are and their job. Born sure. Nexus. Their bureaucratic. In order to do this research appropriately, and now we, we get the bullshit. Have to uh, also be cognizant of what is the state of the art and development across the S and T. What's your job? Justification what is, of existence. What are the DARPA's of the world doing? What are our, what's the Horizon scanning. I mean, of who is this doctor? Emerging technologies appropriate to this. Who's the head of Arrow? What is happening out there? And if somebody could accelerate that capability, okay, Mike J. how says, would that manifest you itself? Have to watch what would it look like? Course, and do those man. signatures match Dude. what we're seeing? Um, there are emerging capabilities line, out there that, that in many instances, Russia and China. Well, China in particular. You know, here's are my my analogy on par or it's just like going to a brain surgeon. Right. So Do you previously, really I used to be the Defense Department's what political party that brain surgeon is there for? That was our job. Was about him to getting look well paid, what is all that? Being well educated and well skilled um, in brain surgery, and then. You know, my What's last more important? Several years, of course. Can you run the country? Space Can you command, do the job of a senator? Space. Okay. The, the, I don't care about the adversary is not. Now your ideology is a different story, but they are advancing and they're advancing matter, quickly. It's the same coin. If I were to put on it. some of my old hats, I would tell you they are less risk averse at technical advancement than we are. Mm. Right? They are just willing to try things and see if it works. Are there capabilities that could be employed against us in both an ISR and a weapons fashion? Absolutely. Oh, here's a great Do I have question. evidence that they're Linda. doing it in these cases? Love it. It would be interesting to find no, out. No, but I have concerning indicators. have educations in astrophysics. Thank you. I'll just I appreciate science. that. And that's, that is why it's so important that you, you are working with the intelligence community as well. Mm -hmm. um, because you, you have the science, the data background, but you also need to know um, from various sources what adversaries may be working on. Is correct. that correct? Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Madam Chair. And just because you went to school doesn't mean you're smart. Uh, well, thank you, Chair Gillibrand, Ranking Member Ernst. Uh, this you is a really important hearing. And have the wisdom I'd like to of thank you, Dr. Kirkpatrick, for your service to the country. And as a former systems analyst myself, I really appreciate uh, your flowchart, the description of the process, and particularly the trends process. analysis going forward, how that's going to help us. And you talked about language, the large LLMs, the large language models, the artificial intelligence. That's really going to help yeah, us. Yeah, let's in get the AI involved. See how that goes. Analysis, I think, uh, um, uh, to some of your point. We're just we're playing worried with about. But I want to focus on Nevada because. I want to talk about the impact of UAPs on aviation in. safety. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to unified, unidentified aerial phenomenal, phenomena, excuse me, one Come of on, my woman. first concerns is really about hey. the safety of Nevada's military aviator. 
So we have airmen stationed at Nellis Air Force Base, mm -hmm. naval aviators flying at Naval Air Station Fallon, and service members across from across the world training at the Nevada Test and Training Range. I know you know all this. And unfortunately, the existence of advanced UAPs in the U.S. airspace and over U.S. military installations, um, not a new phenomenon. The Navy's officially acknowledged that between 2004 and 2021, 11 near misses occurred involving UAPs that required pilot action and follow-up yep. reports. As a result, in 2019, the Navy established a protocol for pilots to report on their dangerous encounters. So could you speak okay, to any gonna, ongoing efforts with the DOD to ensure the safety of our aviators? How she is and they were balloons. Um, UAP encounter Ready? and what's your relationship okay, with NORADCOM NORADCOM when it comes to this immediate real-time yes, response? very sarcastic. And how I'm kind of pissed off. They're, they're, yeah. they're right there in the moment, right? Absolutely. That's a great question. So uh, let me start with, um, you know, my relationship with the commands are, are, are very good. I, I just came back from uh, sitting down with, with General Van Herc and all the, all the J staff out at NORTHCOM uh, a couple weeks ago, talking through exactly what we need to do to help them get their arms around this. Uh, we are also working very closely with joint staff and the joint staff has, has just been very outstanding in helping uh, work through policy and guidance issues to the forces and to the services. And I would like to just make sure that we, we message back to all of the operators the importance of their uh, reporting and the fact that you're about to get a, you know, a bunch of new requirements that we're issuing through the joint staff on all of the data that we're going to need you to save and, and report back to us. Um, By the way, everybody, thanks for joining and, me and here. We are working you know, to try to, to here, take the most advantage of, of that to learn what it is that we're trying this. to mitigate. To get directly to your question, me. Probably a first good thing, thing that we're doing is awesome. normalizing our reporting. Right, We're standardizing our reporting and the requirements associated with that. Uh, guidance from the joint staff, I think, goes out maybe this week. Um, maybe next week uh, that we've been Mike working Chase with them for some months. Just messing around exactly with these people said. are it just sad. timelines. It gives them requirements. It gives them here's all the data you have to have. They are ticked, um, and you got to retain off it. The blood of the American people. The next thing that comes after food. that is a plan or trying to justify them to doing something. The command. His job apparently mitigation is and response. As the head of Arrow, things that we have to do. SEP. One, I need to problem. Uh, work with uh, the commands and with the IC. Hey, Lunar Sparkles, uh, thank you for joining us. Outside of our DOD and IC partners to extend our collection posture. Well, I think targeted at to some of these key of areas that you saw to, on that heat map. Uh, Bill Konkoleski uh, that have a lot of activity here before this so that started. we can turn on Dude. extra collection Dude. when an operator sees you, something. So part of this is generating. It's a response it. function, what we call a tactic, technique, and procedure for he called it. an operator when he sees something, calls back to the operations Justify floor, job, they can turn man. on Why additional collection. Arrow? What does that collection <laughs> look like? How do I bring all that together so I can get more data on what is that thing? Can, Someone can else's lies, really SEL. Quickly, sure. yeah. Have the authorities you need to extend your collection posture? See, an education barrier we call or, SEL, uh, social, emotional learning. That seems but to me someone to else's uh, lies maybe be a sticking just as well. point. I know my time's just about up. I'd love to follow up about your risk management methodologies. Yeah, Mike J., some of these, I got you. Do you need any authorities that you, you don't to put have a rope to, around uh, his chair? Get, 
get the data. There are some authorities that we need. We currently are operating <laughs> under Title Ten authorities, but we have look. The guide um, does not look you know, good. Relationships I will say across the other agencies, but having additional authorities for collection, tasking, counterintelligence. That's something. Those are all things that would be helpful. I want to know who is he. Thank you. Where to follow up, Dr. Kirkpatrick, will you help us write that language so we can put it in the defense bill this year so that we know what authorities you need? Where is mm -hmm. Gary Nolan? We can do that. Thank you. Um, point, we're going to start second round. So if you want to stay, you can ask another round. I have at least three more questions. So do you want to, do you want to go right now? So you, in case you have to leave. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Turn on your microphone. Come on. She was probably at Roswell. Look how old she is. She saw the aliens. Spy balloon. It did cross through the U.S. airspace, shot down by a Sidewinder missile fired from an F-22. Sidewinders cost us close to half a million dollars each. So given the cost of these missiles, the cost oh, per very. flight, all it, of these bro. other things, like I said, Follow up on the authorities like and methodologies, the data collection. They can help us in other ways. But how do you think we can develop a sustainable, <laughs> affordable response to UAPs where we need to um, that may that will definitely violate our airspace? Not may definitely violate you know our what? airspace. Every chance that they can get because there are adversaries. They want this those, information. Uh, so what do you think some cost-effective measures things might that he be did that we can um, at the National get what we need out of that or take them down? Whatever is appropriate. Whatever the appropriate measure let's is. Get us all together. That, that, that is actually wrapped into the plan that we're the working record. with Joint Staff to send out. What are the commands need from both a capabilities perspective for kinetic and non-kinetic engagements? What are the response functions of the so now of arrow the, is particular in charge wings of tracking or, or navy any uh, spy satellites and drones and or Russian what or authorities do whatever they flavor of the so one of the one of the challenges that we've seen is is you know there's an authorities issues with they know the, they're lying with the mm -hmm. owners operators of those ranges that they need to work through and we're working that with uh, joint staff and, and OSD so See, I'm starting to get crazy mm -hmm. like um, big picture we need to do all Rich, that you know if you want to get down to the specifics for you know there are non-kinetic options to engage pretty much Richie loses it when uh, somebody's faking electronic something. warfare it when I listen Whether to politicians you know, do laser this technology. Right that's where this data comes. I know that's right. good data Michelle and I saw predictive correct. analytics. You can inform, make some assumptions on possibilities. That's right, and we will inform. Yes, we uh, both could have been having the, the same exact mass hallucination. Here's what could work. Here's what we've seen work. Here's what doesn't work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Madam Chair. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, can, I just wanted to just talk a little bit about your logistics, who you report to, how that's going, uh, whether you need different reporting lines. Um, by congressional legislation, your office is administratively located with the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, but you're not substantively subordinate to the Undersecretary. Rather, you General are a direct report to the Deputy Secretary. Fish. Are you taking direction directly from the Deputy Secretary? Are you able to meet and brief the Deputy Secretary? Here I got over um, is the, the Office of USDA um, working with you to have hear. the right framework? <laughs> All right. Now I'm so channeling USDINS. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, I, I currently report to USDINS. Sorry, Senator Gillibrand. Uh, until they Gillibrand. come up with the, the plan for how they're going to implement legislation. DOD and DNI are working through that now. I'd have to refer you back to USDINS oh, on what Barry. their plan is. Um, Barry said, 
I already said we're doing better on Michigan. Do US I need to update your reporting structure yep, in the next defense bill, or is this something that you think will work its way out, or does it need you know, further clarity? I think they're planning on coming back to you with an answer on what that plan is, and I think at that time that will inform what you want to do. Okay, thank you. Um, Bill is like one of our as you know, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick, Congress has mandated that your office establish stuff. a discoverable and accessible electronic method for We're potential witnesses of UAP incidents and potential participants in government UAP-related activities to contact your office and tell their stories. Congress also set up a process whereby right, people a uh, subject to non-disclosure agreements, preventing them from disclosing what they may have witnessed or participated in, could tell you what they know without risk uh, of retribution oh, from, or stop. violation of their Hold NDAs. Um, have you submitted a public facing website product for oh. approval to your? I had to stop sharing it. Then I'll, I'll put it back in a second. All right. There's the Gillibrand picture it's on her website. Nice looking lady. Right. All right. Fair. There. No. Yes, I'm I'm being a jerk. I'm sorry. Hold on. very uh, helpful. I'd uh, ask that you continue to do that until right. we have an approved plan. I digressed. I let my... Uh, uh, we have a uh, multi-phased approach for doing that. My eighth that grade, been, ninth uh, grade... Uh, socializing and have submitted for uh, approval sometime. Mm -hmm. uh, once that happens, it's then really we should not be able an to push all that out and get, uh, get this a little more automated. <laughs> Great. Um, what I would ask, I though, is that you Russia, all Russia. continue to uh, refer yeah. to us and uh, refer witnesses to us. I'd, I'd Russia's just better at that. it in China um, because, well, please try to prioritize the ones that Russia, you want to do because we do have a busy small, with Ukraine uh, right now. research staff yeah. dealing with that. Thank you. Um, and then do you have any uh, plans for public engagement that you want to share now that you think it's important that the public knows what the plan is? So we have a... Uh, uh, <laughs> a number of public engagement uh, recommendations right, guys, uh, according uh, to our strategic she's plan. She's an Android from Zeta. Uh, all of those have been submitted for Linda, approval. They have been approved by USDINS. Like um, we are waiting for <laughs> approval to go do that. Okay, Fair I will enough. follow up on that. Um, and then my last question is about um, <clears throat> the integration of departments, UAP operations, research analysis, and strategic communications. Um, cards, during man. the recent oh, UAP incidents cards. over North America, it didn't appear that you were allowed to play that role. Um, do you agree that the public perception is generally that you and your office did not appear to play a major role in the department's response to the detection of objects over North America? Uh, what can you tell us um, that's going on behind that's the scenes job. from your perspective? And in the after-action assessment process, is there awareness that there is a need to operate differently in the future and a commitment and to doing data. so? When the when the objects were first detected, I got called by joint staff leadership uh, to come in uh, late one night to review uh, events as they were unfolding and to give them a, a, you know, an assessment down, uh, based on what we knew at that time. 
Uh, I did that, uh, worked with uh, the director of joint staff, the J2 and the J3 that night and over a couple of following days on what are the types of things that we are tracking from an unidentified object perspective, what databases do we use, those sorts of things for for known objects, known tracking. Beyond that, the response I would have to I would have to refer you back to the White House for the decision on how they did the the response. Uh, we did not play a role in what you would respond, other than that initial um, you know advice on what we are seeing and how we are seeing it. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Madam Chair. Richie has a poll um, going right now. Dr. Kirkpatrick, I, I know that your office has gotten a lot of attention uh, recently. And of course, any new agency, there tends to be a push to increase size and, and funding. Um, we want to make sure that you're able to meet your goals. But what I also need to ensure is that we're not duplicating or replicating existing functions um, and creating redundancy within DOD and uh, the interagency. So what steps are you taking right now to make sure that your particular office and function is is unique uh, to any of the other agencies that might be involved in these types of cases? Yeah, that's a a great question. So I would like to um, lay down, here's, here's what am I, you know, sort of my mission and my goal and my vision here. So the vision is, at one point, at some point in the future, you should not need an arrow. If I'm successful in what I'm doing, we should be able to normalize everything that we're doing into existing processes, functions, agencies, and organizations, and make that part of their mission and their role. Right now, the niche that we form is really going after the unknowns. If you, I think you articulated it early on, this is a hunt mission for what might somebody be doing in our backyard that we don't know about? All right, well, that, that, that is what we are doing, right? But at some point, we should be able to normalize that. That's why it's so important, the work we're doing with joint staff, to normalize that into uh, DOD policy and guidance. We are bringing in all of our interagency partners. So NASA is providing a, a liaison for us. I have FBI liaison. I have OSI liaison. I have service liaisons. The IC, half of my staff come from the IC. Half of my staff come from uh, other scientific and technical backgrounds. I have DOE. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is ensure, again, as I make UAP into SEP, they get handed off to the people that that is their mission to go do so that we aren't duplicating that. Oh. I'm not going to go chase the Chinese high like, altitude right, balloon, for guy. example. That's not my job. It's not an unknown and it's not anomalous anymore. He's going to have now the guy speaking. So Kirkpatrick mm, is going to have Chair. a seizure and say, look, aliens um, are real. I want to just follow up on the filters for surveillance. Um, Outside observers have speculated that DOD sets filters on certain sensors to eliminate objects that are moving really fast or slow because what we are looking for militarily are conventional aircraft and missiles. UAP that doesn't fit into these programs would thereby be weeded out and never noticed. 
This speculation was proven to be true during the UAP incidents over North America, where DOD publicly acknowledged that we were able to start seeing these UAPs only when we opened up these filters. Um, obviously, our military operators cannot be overloaded with objects that are not conventional aircraft or missiles. Can you nonetheless make sure that the raw data is being captured and subsequently processed, that your office knows what's really out there? And is that going to cost money? Will you expect to pay for that money out of Aero's budget? One of the key tenets that we're trying to do in our science plan is understand what those signatures are. So we get all the raw, for example, radar data prior to the scrubbing and filtering to allow it to enter into our weapon systems and our detection systems. We are now taking all that data and cross-correlating it to what pilots are saying they're seeing or other observations from other operators. What that allows us to do is then see if there are any, any signatures in that data that I can pull out, generate uh, what we'll call automatic target recognition algorithms that allow us to then use that signature associated with a observed UAP, whatever that UAP may be. We will then make those recommendations of what those changes should be back to the department. So the deputy secretary had asked me last October to make those recommendations. What changes do we need to make to radars, to uh, platforms, to detection systems and algorithms to, to pull on those, those algorithms and make those changes? That's going to take some time. That's where the research and development comes in, right? It's not... It's not instantaneous. Right now, a lot of the, I won't say, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the things that fall outside of the ranges of those filters have been identified by people in the loop. And you can't have people in the loop all the time. You can, you know, it's just not cost effective. So part of our budget is working through what, is, what does that look like? and then making those recommendations back to the big program shit, offices no. for them to put into changes in acquisition. My last question is about the academic community. Um, can you give us an update on sort of how you collaborate with the academic community and oh, yeah. um, whether um, how the independent study being done by NASA complements Arrow's work? Sure. Oh yeah, academic Two and questions. NASA, so I'm, I'm trying to make it quick. The uh, 1979, Carl Sagan said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I would go one step further, and I would say extraordinary claims not require not only extraordinary evidence, but extraordinary science. And so how do you do that? You do that with the scientific method, right? And so as Arrow is developing and implementing its you can't science use plan, the scientific it method has to do so grounded in a solid foundation of scientific theory across the entire range of hypotheses that have been presented for what UAP are. That range spans adversary breakthrough technology on one hand, known objects and phenomena in the middle, all the way to the extreme theories of extraterrestrials. All of that has physics-based signatures associated with it whether it's theoretical from the academic community, known from things like hypersonic weapons or uh, adversary breakthrough technologies, as we've talked about before, 
or the known objects that we have to go measure. The idea is across that entire range, you have to come up with peer-reviewed scientific basis for all of it. The academic community plays a very big role on the one end of the spectrum, the intelligence community on the other end of the spectrum, and then measurement in the middle. Once I have those signatures identified in, in validated peer-reviewed um, documents, then I have something to point to Guy for says, all that data. We don't have a real because all that data is going to match one of those signatures. Ground clutter, absolutely. Right? And then I can go, well, it's that and not that, or Barry, it's that. The last hour and of that my helps life, us go through. I actually, all feel dumber. Where NASA comes in yep. and and the the study that they're doing, which I'm uh, supporting, is really um, looking at the unclassified data sources that might be used to augment our classified data sources to understand if there's a signature there we can pull on. So very similar to the radars, but civil capabilities. So for example, way, we have a lot Sagan of climate science satellites. For example, what he meant by extraordinary. Lots of them. Right. How many of those extraordinary claims the data valuable evidence in seeing these kinds evidence. of objects? What does the that challenge mean? in that is those those platforms don't necessarily have the resolution UFO? you need. So if you remember the slide I put up there with the trends, the size of the objects we're looking for are typically reported to be one to four meters. Well, the resolution of many of the climate science, civil um, science, you know, civil satellites is much larger than that, which means you'd have a hard time picking out something that's smaller than a pixel on the imagery on the data. That's not to say all of it's wow. not useful, and there are ways of pulling through that data and going through. That Tomorrow's is what NASA is focused on right now. So what is what are some other data sources that could be used? In addition, <laughs> things like open source and um, um, crowdsourcing of, of more data. Interesting We're exploring public-private partnerships, ma'am, as you know, we've talked about in the past, to look at is there a way to smartly – Good point crowdsource additional data said, that might be useful look to augment some of my classified sources so many people these people and are what does that look political like suicide and how would we do That's it so that we're not overwhelmed yeah. by you know everybody who wants to take a picture of everything like to tell the committee before we close or do you have another round yeah do you have anything else you'd like to tell the committee before we close Thank you very much for uh, allowing us to come and Literally, share a little bit of insight into what Arrow's up to and what we're doing. I hope to be able to the share a whole lot more in the future. Arrow um, is we have a lot of work to do. Tracking so if stuff. you don't hear they from don't have me their own outside, it's because stuff. we've got a lot of work Wasn't to do. Wasn't it the understanding that Arrow was Thank you so much, Dr. Patrick. Thank you for the hearing. Thank you. Bye. Okay, it's over. Thank God. Look at all the people there. Look at all those people. Just amazing. Four, five, six, seven people sitting there at those tables. And there it is, the end. Thank you, Jesus, for ending this ridiculous debacle of a hearing.
that's your disclosure. That's your government that you need to trust, right? Did you hear anything? Did they say anything? Did they say anything? Yeah. A bunch of nothing. You're correct, Diane. Guy says, let's do lunch. Man, I had a big breakfast so I wouldn't have to do lunch so I wouldn't miss this damn thing. What the hell, people? This this is what we're this is what we're doing. All the things that have happened to people out there. This is our answer, the government. There's not a lot of data. Scientific method. Scientific method only works when you have physical materials and physical materialism, I guess you could say, that can be predictable, studied, measured, obtainable. (laughs) Barry says, well, that's pretty good try for our government. It was just all about the process and their bureaucracy of how they're not going to get to anything. But my understanding is that Arrow was supposed to be investigating things that are reported to them by pilots, by military people, things that happened to military people in the past. See, and this is where I have an issue with what Stephen Bassett was saying. It's not going to come from people or science community. It's going to come from the government because they're the only ones that can make a declaration or whatever he ended up saying. And I have a lot of respect for Stephen. He knows so much and all of that. I just don't. These people are nobody. They won a popularity contest like on Survivor, they didn't get voted off the island. In our politicians' cases, they got voted onto the the island to be our leaders. What? Dude, guy says, wow, I could have been feeding the puppies. I always make the wrong choices. I could have been doing dishes right now and earning brownie points with the wife. You see what I'm saying? Linda says exactly. Wow. Hey, at least we can say that we were here live doing this, right? Yeah, I was thinking, man, I'm going to have to like convert this all, release it as a podcast and stuff. Nope. I'm not putting this out there on our podcast feed. This, (laughs) This is kind of embarrassing at this point. So I guess we're back to doing what we're doing. I, you know what? I cannot wait to hear the less cynical people come out and start to justify and nitpick this stuff and be like, well, you know, they can't talk about too much. This stuff is happening to the local population, to, to normal citizens around the world. Okay? Everybody's seeing it. 
Everybody's having it happen to them. And we can't talk about it. Well, they're going to be sitting there figuring out how not to talk about this stuff. Well, everybody else is sitting there already having the conversation. Hey, Will, or I'm sorry, Bill. Konkoleski joins us back and he says, it's all about the grassroots. Yeah. Yep, it has to be. I just, I don't. If I say I don't understand, I don't mean it like I don't understand. It's, how can you say there's no data? If 20 people tell you they saw a huge black triangle the size of a football field over different cities in Michigan on the same night around the same time, well, we can't investigate it because it didn't show up on radar. Yeah, it's anecdotal evidence. I mean, you can check my medical records and see when my thyroid went nuts and all my hair turned white and I started to lose my mind because of high T3 and T4 being out of control because of a, a thyroid that went nuts. I'm one of like a very rare number of males that had Graves disease, hyperthyroidism. What? Come on, man. You know what they call Havana syndrome? How much you want to bet Havana syndrome is just people that have been too close to these damn things? You want to do an MRI on me? Go ahead, do an MRI. I mean, what Nolan says now, you may or may not respect Gary Nolan. But he says they're testing these people and finding them with, as Guy said earlier, the basal ganglia. Like massive growth of neurons in the brain. Oh, Brian, dude, great point. So Brian's joining us right now. Kirkpatrick just shut down Lou and Jeremy. Wow. Now, what it does, though, Brian, and you could be right, but what it does is it puts up a wall once again between the government and their bureaucratic bullcrap and then Lou and Jeremy. And who's who's the guy he's on weaponized with? I can't remember his name. The guy that broke Lazar. What was the guy that broke Lazar? The radio guy. Come on, guys. Help me out in, in chat. Nap. Thank you. Metalhead gets a prize. So you take. Is it George Nap? Nap, Jeremy Corbell, or Corbel, however you want to, and Lou Elizondo, and now you put them way off to the side, which I thought Elizondo was in the, on this crap. Put up a wall. Now you plaster that wall. Instead of it being a fence, you make it a, a brick. 
and then you put the government crap. And so now the one side of the wall can say they have stuff like uh, Bassett. They have materials. They have this disclosure this year. This has got to happen, yada, yada, on one side. And then you got the people on the other side going scientific method. It's crazy. But yet, I can show you all the emails. Doesn't make them true. I can show you all the stuff on our 6,000 plus member Facebook group. People saying they saw this, that, and the other. And specifically triangles here in Michigan. I got one guy who says that he's been seeing them for a while. He can't talk publicly because of his job. It's a high security thing. Even my beard is pissed off. Look at this. What are we going to do? I don't know. They stonewalled us. Again. You know, and then all that crap that Lou did to the quote-unquote community. So-and-so has a criminal record. This person did that. Go on Twitter and be this person or that person. Metalhead says it takes a million-man march. I don't even think that would work. It'll take a million triangle slash UFO orb whatever flyover. To get people, I mean, this Saturday I'm having on Colin Saunders. The guy's no dummy. He's an engineer, CAD operator, designer, retired, been all over the place, worked in aerospace, Saab. And he's talking about the black triangles over the UK and what he saw. Come on, man. We had one of our first guests that we had on before Guy Merritt, we had on Terry Lovelace, incident at Devil's Den. Him and his buddy were abducted on a triangle. And it was horrible. He's got things in his body that they don't want to remove. Yeah, I've read Terry's book now like three times. Guy says, my God, who could be a better witness than Terry? Guess who visited Terry Lovelace? Lou Elizondo, and I think he said also Christopher Mellon. And when they were there, now I can't remember if he told me this backstage or not. This was years ago, so. But while they were there, There were black helicopters flying over his house. And for a couple days afterwards. 
just stick your head back in the sand, right, guy? Let's just stick our head back in the sand. Nothing to see here. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's see. Commander Fravor is a is a crackpot and lion. His wingman, uh, Dietrich, that was her name. I think she was a commander as well. Commander Dietrich. She was newer um, in the squadron, but a capable fighter pilot, right? Flying F-18s for God's sakes. Yeah, she's a slouch. She doesn't know. I guess it was a weather balloon that was circling and jumping away and going 60 miles in like three seconds around Fravor. Yeah. Travis Walton don't know about his story that much. So, yep. Not going to touch that one. Streber communion. I mean, come on Preston Dennett and the list goes on and on and on. All right. I guess all these people are out to make a huge amount of money off of UFOs. That's why they live in little houses if they're lucky. We're all schizophrenic or lying. Yeah, right, guy. <laughs> Metalhead says nobody smokes more weed than me. Okay, if that's fair, I'll give you that one. I don't touch this stuff, but after this meeting, maybe I can find a gummy somewhere or something. Travis ain't lying. Yeah, guy, you had talked about that, about uh, how Travis, uh, when you saw him, about how, like, depressed he seemed and how legit it really affected you. Of course. Dude, look at, you guys got to go and listen to the triangle panel that i did on the podcast with guy alex ed rest in peace myself and michelle and talk about the synchronicities the well that's a coincidence things that happened in 1994 on the east side of michigan march 18th Yeah, what about the Phoenix Lights? Good point, Barry. What about all of this stuff? There's no data. Barry, there's no data. We just heard. There's no data. Tic-tac, go fast. They haven't mentioned any of these with lots of evidence. Well, don't you know? Since they have Mick West on board, right? He set up his little things in his garage with his lights and stuff. He he debunked those. Metal says he has years of data. There have been people out there collecting data on this stuff since 46, like modern time. Let's see. Zen says, 
Travis is legit. We know these things are here. No amount of government smoke and mirrors is going to change that. Maybe CE5 is the way forward. I don't know about Greer. Maybe. I'd love to talk to him. I've seen some interviews with him, though. He seems very suspect. Yeah, here you go. Barry says it right here. Hillsdale College, Michigan Radar. 300 people. How about the fighter pilots that Ray Szymanski interviewed? Colonel Carroll, who was the lead flight of the interceptors that found the UFOs and chased them, and they couldn't catch them. And for that time, one of the fastest fighter jets here. Let's fast forward to 94. If you don't have any data, go ask the National Weather Service for Jack Bouchong's weather records of the objects he tracked for the police department on the west side of Michigan, Holland, Michigan, Muskegon, 1994. And ask the police officers, I think they were sheriffs, that were chasing these things and talking on the radio back and forth with Jack Bouchon at the radar site. Come on, man. As my kids would say at school, stop playing with me, bro. Government, I'm looking at you. Stop playing with me, bro. Barry says, yeah, Wayne, guy, as you seen as something that was one to four meters. Now, the one that I saw would have been 200 meters or so aside. Hold on. My metric conversion is not where it needs to be anymore. Uh, Okay. 91.4 meters per side. Yeah, guy, we should. And Barry says, I've heard drug-induced rants make more sense. Can you say shit show? What, Barry, you're talking about this show? I agree. This show is a shit show. (laughs) No, I know. You're talking about the government. Little fun time there. All right, everybody. Look. I'm going to go get some chores done. It'll make me feel better. Thanks, guy. I appreciate it. Thanks for being there, guy. You know, with your information and and coming forward with the things that happened to you, I know it's not easy. It's not easy for a lot of people that I talk to. So, I guess that's not data either. The psychological toll that takes place on these people that witness these things. I had something physical happen to me. So, 
yeah, I have a little bit of an axe to grind. And and you know what? Stay out of my head. Don't tell me, get away, you don't belong. You don't belong around here, get away. You don't belong here, what? So, all right, everybody, let's end this. Oh, my God. Just unbelievable. Oh, wait a minute. Here's what the government did right here. Do, 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 do. They went down the rabbit hole. They didn't like what they found. <laughs> so they left. So I say we jump on that escalator and go down further where they're scared to go. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with me. A little bit disappointing, but thank you very much. Don't forget this Saturday at 10 a.m., Colin Saunders from the UK. We're going to talk about black triangles, triangular UFOs over the UK. 10 a.m., 3 p.m. UK time. Uh, that was changed this morning. He sent me an email and needed it changed. Let's do it. I, I got to talk to this guy. All right, everybody. Have a great one. And remember, keep those eyes to that sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.